And if you recall, we've been talking about for the last several weeks about first starting with, right, how do we, how do we get to know God? And that, of course, is through Scripture, right, through Scripture. Even as I, I, I just love this, and I'll keep pounding on it, but Romans 12, 1 and 2, right? Since therefore by his mercies he has saved us, right, we are his, we're eternally his, and now because of that, let us live our lives for him, right, in righteousness, and how do we live for him? How do we get to know him, right? We have our minds renewed by him, through, by his Holy Spirit, by his word, which is truth. He's revealed everything about himself, everything that we need to know. As scripture says, right, everything, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God, you can also say the child of God, may be complete. Perfect in that sense, right? Perfectly taken in all that God has for him. Thoroughly furnished for all good works. So as scripture tells us itself, God himself tells us, my word, and the more you know my word, the more you know me, and the more and fully equipped you will be to walk with me and live for me all your life. So nothing outside of that word. Amen. But we've been talking specifically the last few weeks about God's sovereignty. Because it's such an overarching issue. You know, of course, we talk about God's sovereignty in salvation. And that brings a lot of ire, right? That all of us believe on him because he chose us to believe on him, right? We are predestined before the foundation of the world. God didn't react. But also how it extends to everything, We've talked in extent that when it comes down to it, it's like there's a lot of theologies out there that try to limit God, try to say, uh, well, no, he's given man free will, and that's more important than his sovereign decree because he just wants man to have free will when the Bible never mentions that. you know. But at the same time, we want it to, look at, even though God's in absolute sovereign control, and he controls everything, natural realm, the supernatural realm, and morally, the actions of the creature, the actions of man. Therefore, he uses their evil for his good purposes, but he also directs them and moves them and uses their own desires in that, to fulfill his purposes, but he's not reacting to them, right? They're fulfilling his purposes. But he does so in such a way, I just want to repeat this from John Calvin, I think he summed it up so good. When it comes to that, the biggest question for us really, because it's not a hard thing for us as a sanity, sovereign over nature, you know, pestilence, earthquakes, tidal wave, just the natural rain coming down or it doesn't come down, it, all of that. We see that plainly from Scripture. We've gone over that much, right? No problem. Over the supernatural realm, right? We looked at that in the stories of David, you know, how God used Satan to move upon David. We saw it in the story of Job. We saw it in, we, we see it throughout Scripture, 
where when he had a he had to come and seek permission to sift Peter as wheat and so on. He controls the natural realm. You know, Satan doesn't do anything outside of God's control and sovereign purpose. But when he controls all those things, God so uses the work of the ungodly and so bends their minds to carry out his judgments that he remains pure from every stain. You know, like that, because Westminster Confession, in a nutshell, really simplistic put, because it can be a long reading, but tells us that God controls and uses his nature, including man, right, and Satan, in such a way, right, that he is not guilty of evil, right? He's not guilty of sin, because he is not evil. He is fully good and pure and just and righteous. But in a way we just cannot comprehend, and the Bible does not explain to us, right, they freely choose evil things they do, but at the same time God is using and directing that to fulfill his purposes. He is not reacting. But in saying all of that, I say all of that to just say that we got to remember a lot of people, they like stepping away from that and living in it because they don't want to say, well, then you're saying, you know, God is responsible for evil existing. Well, if he's not, then who is? Is God in absolute control or is he not? That's what it comes down to. So we live in America. That's hard for us to conceive. But if you live back in the day, in the medieval times, or in a lot of countries today, you'd have a lot less hard time grasping that what the sovereign ruler of an area or territory or nation says, that goes, period. There's no questioning. And there's no, you know, when the king, when the king says jump, you got to just say, yes, sir. You know, but we have a big trouble with that because we say, I got rights. I'm an American. You know, you know, but really God's in absolute control. But I say all of that to say I want us to take a look at Scripture and just see overarchingly just how God, we looked at, we looked at many examples so far. And just recap those quick. You know, you looked at God's whole example of how he used Joseph's brothers, but their evil purposes, and he was directing it, right? But so Joseph would eventually end up in Egypt and become the one second in command. And then God sent the famine, right? He brought the people down to Egypt, but it was all fulfillment of God's decree that he had determined. He had even told Abraham what happened hundreds of years before it ever happened. We just see it was always God's decree. He was never, it was never a plan B, right? He's determined his counsels. In the, in the absolute Trinitarian council between God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and laid out his plans. And they're being carried out and they're being fulfilled. But we're just going to take a look at several scriptures and kind of systematically, just so we don't have to go back and forth, but just some other places in scripture where this becomes so clear and we do understand that God's in absolute control of everything. And I do this, so the great edifying part of it is, the more we get a grasp on this, at least for me, the, first of all, it can bring us up so, right when he says to worship him in spirit and truth, well, the more correct knowledge we understand truth, right, 
then the, the higher our worship can be, the better our understanding can be when we're approaching our great God and Savior. Amen? But uh, go to Exodus chapter 4, verse 11. We have a couple other things in mind, you know, that we, we just talked about in the last several weeks. Remember in John chapter 3, uh, or was it chapter 9, verse 3? Anyway, uh, Jesus comes upon the man born blind. And then we're told the reason he was born blind was so that God would be glorified and he would be healed by the Son when he came upon him that day. So imagine that was determined before that child was ever born. Amen? But so, and because the ultimate purpose of God, right, he created everything for his pleasure and for his purpose, and he displays his glory. And he does it, he displays his glory in acts of mercy and loving kindness. He displays his glory in acts of judgment and righteousness. Amen. But on Exodus chapter 4, Verse 11, we know this real well, this story. But remember, God is here. He's talking to Moses, you know, in the burning bush. And Moses, you kept trying to come up with excuses that, you know, he didn't have an eloquent voice. You know, he couldn't speak for this, right? The Lord's answer to him, Exodus 4, verse 11. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or deaf? Are the seen, are the blind, have not I, the Lord? He made them who they are, the way they are. You know, seen, blind, deaf, dumb. It's the Lord. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Like I said, you know, we talked about a lot of other ones too in that this is just, it is so extensive. You know, God... God displaying and teaching us of his absolute sovereignty over all his creation. Right, Deuteronomy 32, verse 39. See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God with me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. Right? He's in charge. And he takes responsibility. Amen. First Samuel chapter two. First Samuel chapter two, starting in verse six. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. Whew. Right? Again, he's simply saying there, right? He makes rich, he makes poor. He's in charge. He's in control. He's absolutely sovereign. Creation. I want us now to look. We talked about it before, but it, it is so good because this, go to Job chapter 1. Such a powerful thing for us that 
you know, we could overlook it and read it. I'm sure, we're very familiar with the, especially the first few chapters of Job. But Job chapter 1, in verse 21, all right, and this is after, right, keep in mind that Job was a perfect man. And we are showing here, this is not judgment upon sin. We're not told why, but we're, we're especially told three times in Scripture in the first two chapters by God himself that Job was a righteous, righteous man who hated evil, kept away from it right, and did good works. He was a righteous man. Right, not, not perfect, now, that doesn't the word righteous means, but he trusted God, he believed in God, and he endeavored to follow him in all his ways. Yet, all God sent right, a mighty wind, right, and all ten of his children died. God sent thieves and murderers to murder all his servants except one and take all his livestock away. Then there was a great hailstorm, brimstones coming down, right, and took away all the rest of his livestock. So he was extremely rich and had a huge family, many children, and he got news all within minutes of one another that everything's gone. Job's reply, verse 21, chapter 1. And said, Job said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charge God foolishly. So in saying that it was the Lord, it's an easy thing that people can get that, all right, uh, you know, all good things come from the Lord, right? But a lot of theology gets that wrong. When things, for whatever reason, right, evil sufferings come upon people, they always think, right, well, it's got to be sin. It's got to be something about that, right? But no, the Lord the Lord was responsible for taking Job's possessions and children away. And Job did not sin when he said that, nor was it a foolish statement. Go to chapter 2 of Job. And again, now the one thing he had left, really, his health. Right? And then, you know, the Lord... Gave permission to Satan. See, we see that again. We see it all, all at work here, right? To go and harm Job physically now, but he could not take his life. See, so Satan's limited to what God, what God gives him permission to do. It's very obvious here. So then after he had boils over his whole body, covered from head to foot, was obviously in great distress. And then he then said his, verse 9, then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. Verse 10, But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. In other words, he's not accusing God. He's not charging God. Worthy. He just understands these things that have befallen him are all ties back in the end to God. And he was not sinning when he said that. <clears throat> Any questions or comments? Go ahead, Dean.
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I mentioned that book, if if you recall, from two weeks ago. I think it was two weeks ago when I mentioned it. But that book, uh, I think it's, you know, uh, when bad things, evil things happen to good people. Written by this man. It's, it's a real popular book. I was asked to cover for, cover for someone else's Bible study one time. I was in a lot larger church than this one at the time, and I did, and he told me what chapter he was on and what book he was in. And this is several years ago. But then I was reading it, and it's like, well, let's just say I was never asked to teach that class again. And in, in the end, I got I had to leave that church, but I, uh, it, the whole premise is wrong. First of all, tell me, so who's good? What man is good? According to our Lord, no one. Right, we have this. We have this acceptance that if something bad happens, right? I mean, unless it's outwardly, oh, oh, we get it. Maybe, oh, the man's a murderer. That it, it's so amazing, right? And almost like in this thing, I don't like the phrasing. I know some people don't mean it that way when they say God allows this or allows that. Sometimes I accidentally say that. Oh, God, purpose it. It's not like He, he does not react to man. You know, something happens. Uh, something happens, someone gets, some horrible things happen to someone, it's like, man, I wonder why God allowed that. I mean, I'm sure he didn't. I'm sure he didn't want that to happen to him. But he allowed, and now he'll deal with the fallout from man's actions. Do you realize that puts man, the creature, in charge of the creator? It just simply does. No matter how you want to slice it. <laughs> okay, uh, let's look at uh, Psalms 115. And again, just, you know, looking at Scripture, and you got any uh, questions or comments, be, feel free. Uh, Psalm 115, verse 3. But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. In other words, in there, right? Whatever pleased him, he, is, he does according to all his pleasure. As we read elsewhere in Scripture, right? it's the same thing. He does according to what he pleases. Okay, just uh, jump on ahead a little bit there to Proverbs 16. And like I said, this is just a sampling. We went over a lot of other Scriptures, too, in these last several weeks, right? And these are just some other ones, except a few of the same ones we, we've, we've touched on. But it's just, just trying to show Scripture itself, God, and 
he gives us the answers that he's determined are supposed to suffice for us. Proverbs 16, verse 4. The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked, for the day of evil. Hmm. That goes against a lot of this uh, present liberal theology, doesn't it? And just go to the end of 33. The lot is cast in the lap. Right? So they're determined on something. Like if you're voting on something, right? Let's say everyone in our church voted on someone, put in one person's name, we're going to draw it, that person wins a prize. Or what could be a thousand people, could be a million people, right? But the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. So in other words, right, what man determines or what man is hoping for or whatever transpires, it's all in the hands of the Lord. Right? He does not react to man. He's in complete sovereign, sovereign control. Hey, Howard, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and it's it's so amazing. So many people are that way, or they have those views. Or I discussed that uh, lady that was talking to Shar and that, you know. And there was a providential thing too. It was providential. I got arranged that meeting between you and her. And then what you got? Lord willing, you know, use what, what you said. Are the person even listening to you? Who knows? What, why did that transpire? Right? God had a purpose. God has a purpose for everything. And that's the main overarching thing. And like us, I want us to walk away from this. God has a purpose for everything. And especially we as his people, the more we understand that, the more at peace we will be. The more contented we will be. And we'll also have the answers for that hope that is within us. Amen. We'll have better and more positive and correct answers. For people, I like the way John MacArthur put it sometimes, people will pose that question, well, what about evil then? And for some reason, people will pose that question, and they're thinking that puts a believer back in his heels, and it'd be like in a football game, all of a sudden, it's fourth down and you got 60 yards to go. Right? Impossible. They'll never be able to answer that one. God answers it over and over and over again. He's in control. There's a lot of answers, but the pot one is. <laughs> He's in control. I like to answer those people, his people on that. Really? So he should dispense his justice immediately upon every situation and every person, right? Just ask him, have you ever had a piled thought? <laughs> If you want him to dispense his justice immediately in that, we'd all be doomed. Amen? 
But uh, where were we? Go to Isaiah chapter 45. <laughs> we'll start in verse 6. Well, a certain verse 5. I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. Amen. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me, that, th that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Verse 7, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. And so we want to put in there, well, calamity. Well, instead of the word evil, right? And in most uh, uh, most newer translations, they'll use that word. But still, it's the same thing, right? He creates it. And we saw before, he's not just talking about natural disasters, because he said before, right, I, I kill and I make alive. Right? I wound, I heal. Right? He's in charge of all things. But uh, right ahead, just jump ahead one chapter, Isaiah 46. Oh, actually, I want to also read uh, back in Isaiah 45 there. And then drop down to verse 9. And we saw, if you remember, and we'll see if we have time to get back there again, but in chapter 9 of Romans, and where we ended off uh, two weeks ago, this is what Paul was quoting when he they said, when they were questioning God, if he was saying God is in absolute control, right, and he has mercy on whom he chooses and hardens whom he chooses, right? And they said, who resists his will? And he replied, woe unto him that strives with his maker, right? Shall, you know, the, the pot sell what is made, say unto the, the potter, why have you made me thus? He was referring back into this scripture here. Isaiah 45, verse 9. Woe unto him that strives with his maker. Let the potsherds strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashions it, What makest thou? Are thy work? He hath no hands. Woe unto him that saith unto his father, What begettest thou? Or to a woman, What hast thou brought forth? In other words, questioning. Questioning what the Creator has done. Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and his Maker, ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands. Command ye me. I have made the earth and created man upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens, and all their host have I commanded. Pretty powerful. Right? So he answers that when he's questioned in Scripture, he answers that he takes full responsibility. And he's basically telling us, who are you to question me? Just be content. Be content with what I have revealed to you. Isaiah 46, in verse 9. Remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. Amen? <laughs> Declaring the end from the beginning, and how can he do that except he be in absolute control, and it's his will that's transpiring. That's how he can declare the end, like within the Revelation, but the end of all history, everything that happens in history, because he's the one that decreed it and determined it to begin in the first place. <clears throat> 
declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times of things that are not yet done, because he's the one who decreed them, he's in charge, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Again, right, there's one we just read a, a few ago, right? Our Lord is in the heavens. He does whatsoever he please. You just need to understand that God is holy, just, good, righteous, pure, truth, almighty, all-knowing, eternal. And yes, on those of us that he showed himself, he is loving, kind, merciful, Right, willing to pardon, but he's all these things and so much more. But we dare not limit God, but just just see and learn, you know, not just take what we comes in our imagination or what someone says, but go to Scripture itself and see how our, our God has revealed Himself to us. Amen. If you go to Lamentations chapter three, good old Lamentations, right? Right after Jer. Right after Jeremiah, good old weeping, the weeping prophet. <clears throat> Lamentations, chapter 3, in verse 37. Who is he that saith, and it cometh to pass, when the Lord commanded it not? You ever read that, or when you think about that, or how often are we just reading it because we're following our daily Bible reading plan, and we don't stop for a moment and meditate on that? In other words, what he's telling us right there, who is he that says something, or plans something, or saying, I'm going to go do this, or this is what I'm going to do today or tomorrow, and this is what's going to happen, this is what I want to happen to determine it, and... That's what comes to pass if the Lord didn't command it. Not if, the, not if it's not keeping with the Lord's good will and purpose and his decree. It comes to pass if the Lord, if, if it's keeping with the Lord's pleasure and purpose and decree, then it comes to pass. But it doesn't come to pass unless the Lord commands it. Verse 38, Out of the mouth of the Most High proceedeth not evil and good, <laughs> he's not saying he, he, he you know he, he speaks evil but remember he pronounces judgments right he takes back right he, it, it just God is in absolute control it's just amazing how often scripture affirms this and yet there's so much theology out there that twists and subverts scripture and usually what they have to do is they don't want you to focus on the massive parts they, they take these little parts in between here and there and they Try to tear them apart, to subvert them, and everything. But again, I just recommend everyone take a good concordance, take the words, take the subject matter. Go, go to, go to people that you think are well learned, and you know maybe you know been in the walk longer, you know are more knowledgeable than that, and just follow along with Scripture on what God says on any given matter. But especially on this one, as we can already see in everything else we talked about, there's so much God has revealed about Himself. And, and, and concerning his control over everything. Uh, go to Daniel chapter 4. 
And we remember this. We'll be, we'll be taking a look at verse, specifically just verse 35. But remember, this is after right Nebuchadnezzar had asked for his own glory. He figured he was glorious. It's his own power and his own kingdom. Right? And the Lord took away his mind and drove him away in the wilderness. And now the Lord has, as it says, he's healed him, right? He's bought him back. He's made him of right mind again. And Nebuchadnezzar is praising God. And Nebuchadnezzar, something that he had realized and God had shown him through this whole thing, Daniel 4, verse 35, And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand. Or say unto him, What doest thou? Right, no one stops it. It's, it's his decree. It's his purpose. It's his will. It's his pleasure. Amen. Uh, go to over to Amos. Just a few over, few over there. You're not if you're used to looking at a, you know, your an old screen on your phone or something. It's just Daniel and Hosea then Amos. But Amos, chapter three, verse six. Nothing, right? Shall a trumpet be blown in the city? And the people not be afraid? Shall there be evil in a city, and the Lord hath not done it? It's a rhetorical question. Yes, the Lord is doing it. Yes, the Lord is in control, right? The Lord is sending whatever is coming. <clears throat> uh, and then that, that concludes, right, the readings of the Old Testament. But I want us to finish off with a few in the new. Well, we talked about many, but specifically, we talk, I mentioned at the start of this, but go to Ephesians chapter 1. I'll get there eventually. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 11. In whom also we have attained an inheritance, right? In Christ, in the Lord, being predestinated according to the purpose of him, right? God, who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, right? As in other words, in your prayer scripture to scripture, right? According to his good pleasure, right? According to what he please. All things. And let us just uh, turn to Revelation chapter 4. Remember several times we heard about that pleasure, as he please, you know, according to his good purpose and pleasure. Well, Revelation 4, verses 10 and 11. Well, we'll start up at 9, so it goes together, right? And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne, and worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the, before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created 
you know, I wasn't even thinking it because I said we'll eventually get there. And said, you know, going to Romans, he puts that right. How dare you reply against God? Referring same thing he said in Isaiah forty-five. How how dare you strive with your Maker? Who are you to strive with your Maker? Let us finish off with a lot of this stuff. Job, right? His friends making statements. Job demanding these answers from God, and then God's answers to Job. You know, on all this questioning, you know, basically, you know, why this and the explanation, all these explanation people coming up, you know, well, why did, why do all these, all things happen? Not just what happened to Joe, but, right? Well, just give us some of them, we're going to sum it up. But I like this. So here's Job's answer, and I believe this is God's answer to us all when we just can't completely figure something out, amen? Which in the end, we just can't comprehend how God controls everything, everything, right? Then the Lord, verse 38, verse 1, Then the Lord answered Job out of the world one and said, Who is this that darkened the counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if you have understanding. And then he goes on, right, and he just lays into them. Asked them all kinds of questions that God has just done and does throughout all eternity. And of course, Job couldn't answer a single one. He goes on through that. Go to verse 40. He, he goes on to it, right? Because Job couldn't answer anything. Imagine this, right? <laughs> right, he's, he, he's, uh, right, he's, he's challenging Job. Now, answer these questions. Chapter 40. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contends with the Almighty instruct him? <laughs> right? <laughs> he that reproves God, let him answer it. Whew. Right? And, and we see this, you know, God's about to lay upon a bunch of, bunch of more questions on him, basically putting him in his place. Then Job answered the Lord and said, it's almost like that, could you picture it? Lord, Lord, just, just wait, 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 wait. Behold, I am vile, what shall I answer thee? I'll lay my hand upon my mouth. Once have I spoken, but I will not answer, yea, twice, but I will speak no further. Then answered the Lord and the Job out of the world went and said, it's almost like he's saying, not yet, bud. Not yet, my child. Gird up thy loins now like a man. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. Will thou also disannul my judgment? Will thou condemn me that thou mayest be righteous? Hast thou an arm like God? Or can you thunder the voice like him? Right? No way. And he, he lays into him more, right? Answer me these things. Job gets it. Ends up on verse 42, chapter 42, right? Verse 1, then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withheld from thee. Who is he that hath counsel without knowledge? Himself, right? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not. Things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. Verse 5, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. In other words, he came into such a greater comprehension of the majesty and sovereignty of God. Wherefore, I abhor myself 
and repent in dust and ashes. Amen. So leaving that with, we've seen many times, right, he answers that is basically those things.